Ready for this roller coaster? I'm definitely, I was, I was born ready for this moment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're, we're recording. So, uh, how are you doing today, Brandy? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you came all the way from Royal Oak. I sure did. Yeah. How long of a drive is that? Uh, it took us a little over an hour, I would say. Not bad. No traffic. It's beautiful. It's, it's truly remarkable and kind of an honor to have somebody drive to my location to do the podcast it's grown kind of that much it's good you deserve it thank you you're doing good things thank you i really appreciate that now tell me a little bit about yourself are you from the royal oak area um i grew originally from michigan yes dearborn heights actually okay um born and raised in dearborn heights and um, i left michigan when i was 25 to move to las vegas nevada and um had to come back here, <laughs> not by choice. <laughs> so um, I've been back here since July 2019, actually. Wow. Um, now, did you like Las Vegas? Is it? Um, I did. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, should we get into my literal backstory? <laughs> Let's just jump right in. Let's jump right in. <laughs> um, so um, I was born uh, with. Spina bifida occulta. Occulta means that it's it's hidden. So there's three types of spina bifida. So mine, you can't visually see, but you can see it on an x-ray. So that means that my spinal cord never fully closed. There's what was always said to me, there's a hole in my spine. So at nine years old, I was complaining of lower back pain. I was already um, playing soccer at that point. I come from an athletic family. So kind of born into athletics. So uh, at first doctors dismissed it as that it's just normal um, growing pains and I play sports. There was more. Um, In pictures, my family was starting to notice that one shoulder was lower than the other. Um, 10 years old diagnosed with having scoliosis. So um, 10, 11, 11 years old, I was braced. the brace is pretty horrific looking. It's called the Milwaukee brace. That meant that I had to wear rods that went around my neck. It was uh, form-fitted to my body with metal and plastic, <clears throat> excuse me, went around my hips. And that was to hopefully stop the progression of my curves. So scoliosis, you have either a C-curve or an S-curve. I have the double whammy S-curve. So that means that my torso is short. And I have the rotated rib cage, and I do have a hunchback on my right side, and that's just because of how my body has shifted. So I was braced. Um, I had to wear that brace 23 hours a day. I could only take it off to shower or for sports. Whoa. Yeah. It was. Um, what was, what I was, was that? I was in sixth grade. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> um, Did you get made fun of in school for it? Yeah, it was it was yeah. harsh. I mean, I was in middle school. I remember all like the the whole school had to have a talk of why I'm wearing this atrocious back brace. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. 
but I like to look at the positive. I had somebody, you know, somebody carried my books for me. <laughs> I was allowed to leave class five minutes early, wow. so nobody would bump into me. Um, but did kids make fun of me? Of course they did. You're in sixth grade. I mean, if anybody's seen the movies like Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, the one girl had a back brace in high school. So it's like it's it's talked about in in movies and stuff about yeah. scoliosis, but um, and it is common, unfortunately. Like it is. One out of four kids have scoliosis. Whoa, it's that high? It's that high. And it's more common in girls than in boys. Why is that? Um, from what I've learned to understand, it's because of hormone muscle imbalances. Okay. Um, for example, when I started puberty at 12, my spine went, went every way but straight. <laughs> So, and it, it got so bad that literally I was told she has to have surgery and she has to have it like quick. So at 12 years old, April, I, um, in sixth grade, after a year of wearing that stupid back brace, I had no other option but to wear, um, or to get ready for surgery. So we decided to have surgery. It was November 11th, 1993. So that would have been um, the fall of my seventh grade year. And we planned it so I did it after my seventh grade basketball season. Wow. Yeah. So I've been through a lot. Wow. I've been through a lot. And so I had the fusion. And um, was it limiting? Absolutely. Being, like, I mean, because I, I could imagine playing sports, like, it would be very difficult. Right. So here's the deal they wanted to fuse me. So T1 is up here. They wanted to do T1 all the way down to L5, so full spinal. Now, in order to access your lower spine, it's easier for them to go through the front. So not only do they cut you from the back, they cut you through the front, and they remove all your organs, they put in the rods, and then they kind of put you back together like a Mr. Potato Head. Oh, my gosh. So because I had the S curve um, at that time, my lower curve technically wasn't that bad. Um, but because I was athletic, the doctors were saying, listen, this, if we do the full thing, it's going to limit her mobility, her flexibility. She may not, it will affect her walking. Um, yeah, it's going to affect her in sports. So I was already good at sports at that age, playing soccer, track and basketball. Wow. So my parents didn't want to do that to me. Yeah. But we didn't know what the future would be like. Do you think that being active helped with it, like help mitigate some of the pain and um, the chronic illness from it? So when I had that surgery and, you know, uh, obviously, so I was in the hospital for two weeks. Let's start there. Three okay. days were spent in intensive care unit. Um, once they pull that catheter out of you, you know, you got to go up and go to the bathroom <laughs> or they're going to give you a bedpan. I was like, I'm not doing this bedpan situation. Like, get me out of this bed. And I did. And the nurses were, the one nurse was like, look at your little leg muscles. Like, look at you. They had commented to my parents that they could tell that I was athletic because of the muscles in my legs. And they were saying that has that helps me so much compared to other children that may not be athletic. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. 
Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. It was so beneficial that I had that muscle development already. So, um, yeah, I mean, has it helped me? Yes. Has it, you know, it's a double-edged sword, okay? You know, it's... It's hard because when you're put in this category, you've got spinal problems, you know, you're going to get doctors say, oh, no sports, no sports, can't do this, can't do that. Like, thank God I was kind of raised with the mind frame of, you can, you can still do that, try. And so I already at a young age had that in my head that just because they're telling you no, 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 you can still try. And I, I have continued to surprise and floor doctors with how I am able to walk, how I'm able to move. And they don't, so many things don't make sense. You know, what they've learned in school, I don't fit in that box. Right. You know, so I encourage children who are going through a scoliosis fusion, or I should say their parents, Please keep those kids active. There's only a few things you really shouldn't do. Football. <laughs> Impact sports. Right. Um, <laughs> gymnastics. But my, my daughter was a gymnast in Las Vegas. Um, there was quite a few girls that had spinal fusions and wow. were back flipping Whoa. like a year after. So Whoa. that didn't stop them. Um, diving is an issue just because you could obviously dive the impact, the impact of your neck. And unfortunately, that paralyzes people that's very common that happens which is incredibly scary um and horseback riding because you're jarring the back sense so um i kept going i I took some time off but um four months later my dad had me training for track and i was on the seventh and eighth grade track team wow so that's awesome i was back in the saddle you had awesome parents because i feel like a lot especially today when kids are diagnosed with something it's it's almost like a natural habit to want to kind of like baby that and say no you can't do that because you're you have this or you know correct and i feel like I, I may be like misspeaking, but I feel like that generation of people, like we're kind of tougher mentally. They're like, no, just go yes. ahead and go do that. I, and I agree don't, with you. don't let anything limit you. Exactly. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Like my parents never limited me, you know, do what, Hey, it's your life. You know, your body best, yeah. you know, obviously throughout my whole life, doctors are like, you shouldn't be waitressing, you shouldn't be bartending, you shouldn't be playing basketball. But what kind of quality of life would you have if you didn't do those things? That's my point. Like yeah. mentally, because I loved doing those things, it was worth it. And the reality was I did try desk jobs. Sitting down in a chair was destroying my back. I was yeah. causing me a lot of pain. It causes people who don't have problems like that pain and exactly. body issues right exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're damned if you do if you do and you're damned if you don't yeah so I just chose that life of I'm gonna try anyways because no matter what I do I'm going to be in pain yeah. and that's a lesson I learned in life at a very young age it doesn't matter what I do sleeping hurts me I gotta sleep you know showering yeah. hurts me I gotta shower so what do you want me to do that's no quality of life. Yeah. You know, so I chose quality of life. 
because I'm going to hurt no matter what. That's amazing. And I think it's amazing that you are kind of an advocate for people that have chronic pain because um, one thing that I I guess that has always crossed my mind with people that have chronic pain is like, do they do anything about it? Have they tried like working out? Have they tried like doing these things that would like, because I know like when I work out, uh, it helps me feel better. And if I don't work out, my body starts aching and I start developing all these issues and things get tight. But I always wondered, like people with chronic pain, could it be mitigated if they were active and did did things to help themselves? So you are correct. I mean, I personally can attest to that. I felt I feel better moving. Yeah. Sitting, laying down in my bed for too long, I hurt. Yeah. Right. Um, mentally working out helps me out tremendously. And it's listen, I, this is a touchy subject for some people that are in pain or disabled because I've had people snap at me, you know, saying like, Oh, um, well I can't move or I'm in a wheelchair. How dare you? Or somebody commented like, Oh, next thing you know, she's going to tell us physical therapy is going to solve all her problems. Like, like (laughs) that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to solve people's problems. I'm not trying to solve them. Like at the end of the day, no one can solve my spinal problems. I cannot go go out and get a new spinal cord. Okay. There's no spinal cord replacement. It's just, um, it's maintaining and you're strengthening the muscles around it and you're hopefully preserving those areas for the future. Um, anybody, I don't, it's just worth a shot to try. And there are places that we will talk about that you can be a part of that they, they work around your disabilities or, or whatever is going on with you physically. And that's so important because you just have to try, yeah. you know, like for example, you know, we have people in wheelchairs, you know, we help strengthen their arms and their upper body strength. You know, you can, you can do these things. And I encourage people to just try. I know you hurt. I hurt, but just try even just getting out there and walking Yeah, it makes such a world of difference. And then, because one thing that was always drilled in my head was that um, my abs, my core, is my spinal cord. Because I am still curved, like, I don't have that spine down there to support me. So it was drilled in my head to have strong abs because my abs are acting as my spinal cord. And don't gain weight. Doctors always said that to me. Do not gain weight, Brandy. That extra weight will put so much stress on your back. So knowing that, I've always been like, okay, I, I got I to gotta stay skinny and fit. Yeah. You know? But I'm also like, I'm doing all these things, but I'm, I'm still here to tell you. I still hurt, okay? Like, I still have major problems. But if I didn't do what I did... I may be worse off. That's why I think you're such a important voice for the community, because I think when people are diagnosed with something there, it's, they may not give themselves that excuse, but they might think that, okay, now I can't do anything because I just hurt so bad. But I think like somebody like you who has, has a spinal problem, you work out and you stay fit and healthy. Like that is inspiration for people who might have other problems where they, 
they could still force themselves to work out and do something. For sure. And I appreciate that because that's what I want to do. Like, I, like I'm tr- trying to inspire people. If I was somebody with chronic pain, I'd be like, like I, 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 I would be thrilled to like have you represent that community. Thank you. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. I bet she's a savage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, man. No, don't mess with me. No, what, I what just... kind of workouts do you do? What kind of things can you do? Sure. So post-op, literally, it's doing exercises laying in the bed. It's, you know, you have your legs kind of up, your knees up, and just rocking your knees side to side. Just getting that movement back in your hips is incredibly important. Um, walking. That's what I do. That's what I'm still doing. A lot of my workout involves walking. Um, have you ever done yoga? Can you do yoga? Yes. I, now I I cannot do all the poses, so I I have to definitely modify everything. That's the beauty about yoga. It is. You can do other poses or you can make it easier. You do what you can do. And I am, and I always have been incredibly flexible given my diagnosis. But yes, I encourage That's anybody and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it is a gift, but it's it's kind of like a curse though yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. Because is. people don't take me seriously cuz I don't I don't have that what people you don't look. Mm. You don't look like you're in pain. You don't look like you're disabled. Yeah. Which in return I'm like, "Well, what am I supposed to look like?" I yeah. didn't know there was a look cuz that's technically kind of pretty offensive it is offensive you know yeah but that's, that's like how, saying you don't look like you have depression right <laughs> right we we mask it i yeah. mask it i am i have got a phd in masking yeah. pain i think everybody <laughs> has a phd in hiding whatever is going on generally and that's the bad part about society though we we are told to shut up you know don't 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 talk about that yeah and i think more than ever our society needs to open up and address these issues because mentally I think we're all we're all fried right now well I think that that's the beauty of social media and like podcasts and doing alternative media is you can talk about these things like on this podcast you can literally tell me anything and it'll be aired but (laughs) that's why I wanted to be here (laughs) I know that like there was when you emailed me you said you had done the news and they're like there's certain things you can't talk about or or mention (laughs) I want to I want to get to that too yeah so um the gym that I found was this in- inclusively fit, and that's in Sterling Heights. So Mark is the owner. It is a nonprofit, and this gym is for the disabled community. He has created a place that's safe, and they accommodate any disability, anything. You need a certain type of equipment, he's going to get it for you. Wow. It's amazing, and it's one of a kind. And they do personal training and all that stuff there? They do. They do. Wow. And it's it's. this has been the highlight of moving back to Michigan, and I am so thankful because I knew I needed more um, post-op from my third fusion, which I had in t- uh, 2018. Um, so I had to move back to Michigan from Las Vegas because I was denied disability for the fourth time. Um, I was a year deep waiting and I ran out of money. I'm a single mother of one child. So I was forced back here, um, cause I, I couldn't be homeless. So, um, I thought I, I knew I needed more. So, uh, I believe in physical therapy. Okay. Everybody needs to do physical therapy post-op, but majority of those people need more. 
I needed more. But be, yes, I'm an athlete. Yes, I know how to exercise. But now that I have these rods and screws in my L5S1, which that is the lowest part of your spine, and that part of your spine controls everything on your body waist down. So everything waist down is affected. Mm. That's what was the, the hardest part. And that's why my parents didn't want to do this to me at 12. Yeah. I get it. And I've been... I've why been, did you have to get it? Um, so my spine is broke. There is a name. It's called pars defect. My spine is fractured. And it's been fractured since 1999 when I was a senior in high school. Wow. I also have spondylosis and spondylothesis, which means like... For example, this is the base of your spine. This is spine. It was shifted back. Oh, my gosh. Right. So I actually, I <laughs> I was 5'6". I was down to 5'5". Five five. Now Whoa. that I had the surgery, I'm back to being 5'6", because <laughs> they put it back where it should be. But that's painful. Yeah, I could imagine. Right? It's, it's incredibly painful. So um, they had to um, put two rods. I think there's four or six screws to drill it back into place. Um, I also had one disc was totally deteriorated. Um, so I had to get that disc replaced as well. Yeah. Cause I, I could imagine it causes wear and tear and all the other, all the other things. Unfortunately, once you have one spinal fusion, there's going to be more. That seems to be the theme. And that's why technically orthopedic surgeons don't want to just jump into surgery because once you get one, a few vertebrae, vertebrae fused the other ones start to deteriorate and now i'm on i'm on number three and i'm 41 years old and this started at 12 do i want any more no (laughs) but i i'm trying to do whatever possible to prevent any further deterioration but unfortunately the spine is just doing whatever the hell it wants to do i you can't control your spine from deteriorating and that's the, the scary part about all of that are you are you constantly in pain from it? Every day of my life. Right now? Some days are better than others. Like right now, I feel my thighs, it's a deep, it's a deep pain. I mean, these are just not, these are not muscle pains. Yeah. This is a deep, deep Agonizing. Nerve. Like a toothache type, type of pain? Correct. So right now sitting here, my rods. So when you sit down, when you have these rods that low, you're putting your weight on those rods. So my lower back starts to really hurt. And then it, it gets into my hips. I can feel it into my thighs. Your thighs always feel tight. Um, and that is that is a symptom of all of everything I listed. Mm-hmm. It is a typical symptom. You feel like your um, muscles are tight. Um, so what the gym has offered me is solutions of how to work around all of my problems. Because obviously, my number one concern is, I do not want to break a rod or screw. Mm, yeah. And just imagine, this is where you bend. So you cannot bend anymore. There's no bending anymore. So you can't, you can't <laughs> do like squats or deadlifts or anything like that? Um, recently, so I've been there steady since September of 2021. So we're working our way up, but I can't do these things alone. And I have to, um, you know, we add things to um, help me. You know, I got a bench. He's, um, my trainer is there to supervise me, to help me. Um, We're working on those things, but I'm just now getting there. 
And that says a lot, you know, like I, I go twice a week and I, that's all that my body can handle because mm-hmm. going there for one hour a day takes me down for two, three days afterwards. Wow. And I, I'm trying, you know, and that's the thing where I, I, I feel my voice is important because I'm out here doing the things that these doctors tell you to do. Yeah. I, I'm showing you, I'm doing these and I'm going to tell you. Yes, I am still in pain. Yeah. You know? Now, do you take any pain medication to help mitigate anything? I do. Um, this has not always been my story, and I fought tooth and nail to not even have to take pain medication. But post-op at 12, I mean, I don't, I don't recall what they sent me home with, but it yeah. was probably something strong. <laughs> um, and then... All throughout those teenage years, Tylenol or Aleve was recommended. I'm not going to lie. I missed a lot of school because I was in pain. Mm. Um, Once I got into college, so I did play basketball for Schoolcraft College. Um, I am going to brag. I was pretty darn good. (laughs) In Division II, colleges wanted me. But the reality was when they found out about my back. They didn't want to take you. Yikes. Yeah. And I played AAU basketball. I played with girls that played at U of M, played at MSU. Wow. Like I was I was with the top ranked girls in the state. But my back, my back was the issue. And it, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not mad. I mean, I get it, you know. They're mm-hmm. looking at me like those girls probably gonna get hurt, you know. Yeah. Like she's a risk. Yeah. Um, but you know, hey, I, I took a full ride scholarship. I played for Schoolcraft College. I loved it. But another reality check was when you play at any college level, these girls are beasts. You know, <laughs> like I had to put on at least 15 pounds of weight on me. I wow. did. They had me on weight gainers. Oh and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a point guard, I'm a shooting guard. So it, my height really didn't matter. Um, I was really good with my ball handling skills and my three point shots, but it was, it's a, you know, it's a tougher level when you get at a collegiate level. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my back couldn't handle it anymore. So I got into coaching actually. Um, so my grew up, my dad coached me my whole life. So this is probably why I am the way I am today (laughs) is because of my dad. I am just like my dad. And, um, but my dad, you know, my dad was obviously my biggest supporter, but he knew best of what I was really dealing with because obviously he's seen me at home. And he, you know, I, I did get um, in like the Detroit Free Press. There was there was articles about me having scoliosis in high school and stuff. Um, I'm proud of myself. You should I didn't be. I didn't let it stop me. And I still don't want it to stop me. Like, I, I mean, trust me, I, if I could, if there was something out there that could solve all my problems, I'm going to try it because I do not want any more surgeries and I just don't want to be in pain, but I am in pain. So I have, you know, people have this impression that you just go to the doctor Oh, my back hurts. Oh, here's some Vicodin. That's not yeah. reality. Like, and if that's, if that is happening, that's not a good doctor. Okay. Well, that, that's why I asked if you were on paid medication, because when Casey was on here, um, she talked about how difficult it is for them to pain management. 
in this this is scary what's happening and and that was another reason of why you wanted to be on your show to confirm what casey was telling you there's some big problems happening here in michigan and can we highlight that again absolutely i mean moving back here okay i am a year post up from my third spinal fusion tell me why i can't get an orthopedic surgeon i can't find a primary care doctor and I can't find a pain management doctor. Nobody wanted to be my doctor based on the fact that I was on opioids. Wow. And I'm not coming at you saying I'm on like 10 pills. I'm on two meds. Two. Given my diagnosis, I could be on a gazillion trillion medications. But I am not looking to get high I'm, I'm looking to be alert, mm-hmm. awake, yeah. functioning, but I need something to take my very real pain away. It took months for me to establish a primary care doctor here in the state. I just found her last year in 2021. And what I had to go through to get her was absolutely ridiculous. Why is it so difficult? Because doctors are being threatened by our lovely DEA, our government, overseeing how these doctors are caring for patients. Due to this opioid epidemic that is truthfully in a, an illicit fentanyl epidemic, doctors are being harassed by our government. So they don't want to treat pain with opioids anymore because they just don't, they don't want the bullshit that comes along with it. That's scary. So it's our government. It is our fault. government. It's, it's they're, they're, they're the ones making it difficult. The, yes. The do- it's not necessarily the doctors. Let me tell you. Doctor's fault. This is, this is my fifth notebook. Okay, <laughs> I have four more at home filled wow. with, so I, I take notes. I, I, anywhere I call, I get their name, who it is, whatever. The number one thing I was being told is, well, you take pain medication and we just don't feel comfortable treating patients that use pain medication. Why? I why? Well, talk to your government. I can't tell you how many healthcare facilities have told me to talk to the government, talk to your senators. Wow. So, 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 okay, sure. Let's the, let's, let's have the disabled community all bombard our, our government saying, Hey, we're disabled. We're in pain and no doctor wants to treat us. We need drugs. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what in the world is happening to our healthcare system? Now I can't tell, I did not deal with this, this, sorry, this shit in Las Vegas. I didn't. I had great doctors and I was mad that I had to leave them because they were going to keep me as a patient, patient. Um, on, no matter what insurance, okay? So I'm forced to come back here. These doctors don't know me. I'm an outsider. Now there's all this news and media of opioids are bad. You know, it's just like hysteria about it. Mm-hmm. That affected me. And it still affects me. Is it just happening in Michigan? or It's happening across. Everywhere? Across the country. Across the country. I can't tell you there's certain states are better than others. That's like, that's not true either. It is happening everywhere. Um, and it needs to stop. I mean, there is so many people that are hurting, you know, and I, I'm on social media, you name it. I'm on there. I'm mm-hmm. speaking my story, my truth. I'm giving 
you know, showing articles and, and showing, you know, telling people what my diagnosis means or, you know, I'm just trying to give out information to educate people and to let people know I am not the boogeyman yeah. because I take pain medication. My meds are not killing everybody, okay? It is the illegal fentanyl that is coming across the border. And that's another thing. What's coming, what's happening, <laughs> you don't get that type of fentanyl prescribed. Well, and I, I would think by limiting it, you know, the government trying to control it is only going to accentuate the fact that people are going to buy this stuff off the streets. And then that's what's going to kill everybody because it's being cut with fentanyl. That's correct. And that is happening. There's so many people that are in legitimate pain. It's corruption. It is corruption. And this is why I keep telling people, we're at war. We are at war against our own government. And I can go off in 10 million directions right now. Probably, probably should explain <laughs> that a little bit. But in a way, we're at war as our, with pain patients are. You know, mm. like people with legitimate spinal problems, for example, are are being denied pain medication. So they have to hit the streets to go buy pills off the street that are being cut with fentanyl, boom, they're dead. Yeah. So it makes me feel like the government just wants to kill us all off. And trust me, I am not the only one that feels this way. There is so, there's millions of us out there here in America that feel like they just want us to go away. Just go away. And that is the scariest thing I never thought I would be sitting here at 41 years old telling you I am scared for my health and my future being in the situation I'm in because I was born this way. I didn't, it, I didn't ask for this. This is just how I was made. This is not my fault. And I've never been, you know, I, which is another thing I learned moving here. I didn't know secretly that all these doctors were like rating us if we are at risk of being an addict. What? How do they do that? So. Ask you questions? I surveys. guess just it's surveillance of you coming in as a patient over the years. Huh. I didn't know this till I moved here in Michigan. My lawyer told me that and I was like mortified. I'm like, wait, what? So he looked through my medical records and he pulled out evidence showing I had never been rated to be at risk of being an addict. And they still denied you. Yes. But I want to stop further. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, trust me, I've made government complaints. I've made ADA complaints. I made EEOC complaints. I've contacted our politicians here. I am, you know... Anything in every way possible to get this story out there because it, this is bigger than me. But I know this is what I'm saying. Like, someone's got to stand up. We got to start standing up and saying this is not right. What what party typically likes to regulate this? Is it Republicans, Democrats? <sighs> that I <laughs> I don't know because this is where I think lines get blurred. You know, you got the Democratic Party. That is usually all for disabled rights. We're here for the disabled people. Well, when I was in Las Vegas and I was denied disability, I had to get political. Um, the people that were in charge was the Democratic Party. And Dina Titus was my uh, you know, representative, and I had a meeting with her. You know what Dina's advice was to me? Oh, 
Thank you for wanting better for the disabled community. I suggest that you move to a richer state to get the help. I said, what do you mean by that? Well, the state of Nevada is broke, and we just can't approve your disability. I'm like, "Um, I worked for 23 years. I'm literally accessing what I paid into the system. She just gave me that look of like, how dare you call me out on this? Wow. That's how I was treated in Vegas. Nobody cared. And this is pre-COVID. So when I have organizations telling me they can't help me because they're broke. And now, because of COVID, I got all these organizations telling me they can't help me because of COVID and they're broke. But meanwhile, they can send checks out to everybody <laughs> for for a year. It's mind-blowing. And then I can, you know, this notebook, I mean, like I said, this is just like recent months, but I mean... I can't even get housing help here. Me and my daughter cannot even get Section 8, Section 811, which is specifically for disabled people. I learned about that in Nevada. Tell me why nobody here in the state of Michigan has heard of Section 811, and I have called these people out on it, and they're like, oh, I never heard of it. I'm like, it's on the HUD website, Section 811. You are the Oakland County Housing Authority. How do you not know about this? I have spent all these, instead of chilling, relaxing, trying to recover from surgery, I've spent all my time fight, fighting all these government organ, government-funded organizations. And I'm so pissed because it's like the way I have been spoken to is horrific. It's horrific. So it's man, almost like you're just dismissed. Yes. Yeah. Or... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call these people out because this is what they did to me. Community Living Services in Ferndale. Somebody here in Michigan I've made friends with. He has spina bifida. He goes there. He recommended I call them for, for housing help or any help because I was struggling here. They told me that they can't help me because I don't sound disabled enough. What? This is over the phone. I don't sound what? disabled enough. And that me and my daughter should hit the streets and maybe they'll help me. So I said, you want me and my, at the time, 11-year-old daughter to hit the streets and maybe you'll help me. That makes me sick. Yeah. That makes community, me sick. So community they want you to be living homeless. services in Ferndale. They want That's you, what you said to me. They want you to be homeless. Yep. They want you to lose your daughter to the foster care system because yep. you can't provide for for her yeah that, and then, that was and then they'll help you yep and then tell that me makes me angry tell me why i'm o- angry oakland county housing authority oh they fired me up that day <laughs> they um everybody wants to pawn you off onto somebody else okay that's the vicious circle i've been living in so dhs would pawn me off here they would pawn me off there. They would pawn me off to over here. And then they would say, oh, this is a DHS problem. Go back to them. I've literally been going in this vicious circle here because nobody wants to help me. Oakland County Housing Authority told me that there is a housing crisis and they can't help me. And then they told me to call the Royal Oak Community housing. I said, you know, the place that's been closed since 2018. He goes, wait, what? I what? go, sir. 
I go, you're recommending a place that doesn't even exist anymore. He's like, no, that's not right. Call him. I go, sir, how much do you get paid to not even know that your resources are invalid? I have called, I swear to God, I have called any and every resource in the metropolitan area and not one has helped me. Wow. Not one has helped me. Or like any any disabled advocation organization, they said, oh, oh, it seems like you're doing everything possible. You're doing a good job. Wow. I said, I wouldn't be calling you. I wouldn't be calling you if everything was going so fucking great. Like, I I mean, they wonder why uh, people have mental problems. Yeah. Thank well, you, it's all, a, all you organizations. You guys did this. It seems like this. a system that's put in place to make people homeless and to just kind of create this vicious cycle. Yep. And that's the reality. That wow. I, I have that learned. That makes me sad. And that makes me really sad. At this point. And angry. I understand. I understand why people give up. I understand why people don't want to have anything to do with the government assistance or all that. All the hoops and all the crap that they put you through is enough to make you crazy. Because I have lost my mind moving here. And Kevin can attest to that because <laughs> it's like the reality, I can't, I'm dumbfounded and I, trust me, the, I know this is not a popular topic and I've, I've caught heat from it. You know, of course. Good, you get let's the, talk about it. You know, I, you know, I've caught heat from people like, Ooh, look at you, Blah. you know, like, Oh, cause I look this way. I don't deserve help or, um, my whole life. Oh, you're a pretty girl. Why don't you just go find yourself a nice rich man to marry? Wow. That so 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 that's that's my options in life. Or these organizations here are telling me to do what? Contact your your government officials and let them know. Or I had another organization tell me that I should go contact these these builders. And try to get them to build more affordable housing. I should do that. Wow. Me. Who's going to fund it? Are you going to fund it? Right. With the money they're giving you? Right. <laughs> or yeah. not giving you? My, yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. But it's like so much I've, I've learned. It's like, this is insanity. Me, I'm being used as a number, okay? Because these organizations claim me as a number. And they turn around and give that to the government. Saying, you know, so they can get is, funding. So they can get more funding. Yeah. But at the end of the day, nobody's helped me. Right. Nobody's helped me. I can't believe I'm still not able to get any housing assistance at this point. Have you talked to anybody else that has like struggled with that? Tons. Yeah. <laughs> so many people. Have you talked have you reached out to uh, any government officials? Yeah, they won't return my phone calls. And actually, Andrew Levine, he really irritated me. Who's that? Andy Levine is our um, state senator. Andy Levin. Andy Levin, sorry. Oh, okay. State senator. Yeah. He had, um, before COVID, he had a coffee talk in um, Oakland County, right? So it's an opportunity to go meet your local senator and voice concerns. So at that point, I'm still in a, a walker, okay? I went because it was important to me to let him know what I was already encountering. Encountering. Now, listen, I don't care if you're if you're right or left. 
this isn't about that. I want you, I want people to understand what I'm trying to say here. I went up there in a walker to tell him to voice my concerns because that's what this was supposed to be about. Instead, that whole hour and a half, that man talked about impeaching Trump. That's how he spent his time. I raised my hand. I was trying to get their attention. I wanted to speak. Because disabled people, elderly people, okay, like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the age group. This is a problem in this state. And I was already discovering this before COVID. And he didn't care about that. You didn't get a chance to talk to him? I, I waited in line so I could get their business cards. But I was so pissed off because instead of addressing real issues happening in the county he represents, he had to spend his whole time talking about how he's going to impeach Trump. How did that work out, Andy? Please, can you tell me? How did that work out for you guys? Instead of addressing real issues, you wasted our time talking about bullshit. And that's how I really feel. Good. So... I want, I want, I'm hoping, I don't care. I hope any of these politicians sit down with me, talk with me because this is, this is about the people. I'm sick of the Democrats claiming that they help the disabled community and they want to help. You guys don't do shit and it's getting worse and we're awake. We see it. Republicans, this is your opportunity to help the disabled and elderly community. Get these people to support you because most people correlate disabled Democrat. This is their chance to do something. Why is that? Why is it? Why is it correlated with Democrats? Because I I assumed that the Democratic Party would be more helpful towards disabled people, too. Is it do they have like a past of that? Helping being, I guess, being more caring. I I think it, it, it is like I think just the Democrat Democratic Party being more about the people. Yeah. You know, um, and, and listen, I'm sure there's Democrats out there that do care about the people, but I'm just not finding them. So no. if, if well, you're out there. But it's really not helping anything either. No, like, nothing. It, things are escalating at a scary rate. And that's where it's like we have to start fighting back. And there's a number of us out there scattered throughout the United States from California, you know, to the East Coast, up to Michigan, down to Florida. Like, we're out here. Yeah. We're out here trying, trying our our hardest. Do you know if there's any doctors that are advocates for this? Um, I sure haven't found them. Now, there's I would a, love to talk to a doctor. There's a pain doctor in Vegas, Dr. Dan Liard, and he's amazing. He's a pain management doctor. He's also a lawyer. Um, he's really fighting hard for us pain patients. Um, I reached out to him and I said, where were you when I was in Vegas? <laughs> but I didn't have any of those issues. I didn't have issues in Vegas like this. Um, but I just said, like, listen, if I ever can make it back to Vegas, can you please be my doctor? And he <laughs> said, yes, because he knew my surgeon. He's like, oh, he's a great guy. No problem. And I recommend people in Las Vegas go see Dan in his Flamingo Pain Clinic, I believe it's it's called. Um, but I haven't found those doctors here yet in Michigan. If anything, um, so I chose HAP to be a part of the Henry Ford um, facilities in Royal Oak 
They're mm-hmm. very close. Um, my primary care doctor, so far, she's been great. And she has said to me, she's like, when I seen your medical records, I was like, oh, this poor girl, you know. Um, that's one thing that's shocking to me is like you you clearly have a past of having these spinal problems. And why is it so difficult for you to find help? Like it's not like, I mean, you, you've been this way since you were a baby. Right. So they know that you have these <laughs> physical limitations, this physical problem. Right. And that's why is it so difficult? I don't know. I mean, it's not like you have uh, fibromyalgia or something that's undetectable. Correct. Like you have physical evidence. I have physical evidence. And that's what um, the a shocking part is when moving here, we learned in Las Vegas, I did have a lawyer. They um, they approved my disability. Okay. I have my medical records are over 800 pages long. Holy cow. Um, social security, if they don't, they, they make you do like a physical exam if you don't have enough evidence and then they make you go through a mental exam. I had to go through a mental exam. Wow. They approved me for disability. Why didn't I get it? Yeah. Why isn't it transferable? That's the million dollar question. And that's where I'm, I'm pissed. Cause I'm like, you guys ruined me and my daughter's life. Why, what happened? And I don't know. And that's like, I'm, I want to figure this out. But my lawyer here, he discovered that. He's like, they fudged your case. They fudged your case. He's like, they probably were trying to push it out um, to so the lawyer would get bigger money. And I go, well, that makes no sense. I go, it tops out at like $5,000. So what difference did it make? I worked. It's not like I didn't work. Like to get social security disability, uh, I mean, yes, if you don't meet the work requirements, you do get, um, I think at the minimum, $750 a month. Mm-hmm. I and you, Or you got to meet the 16 years work credits. I had 23. So I, I'm accessing what I paid in. Why did they do this to me? So that's where I'm like, Nevada hates disabled people. Well, I mean, why would I think anything less? Yeah. You know, I started because I, because of me getting political in Las Vegas, I was attending um, national disability council meetings and I actually had an opportunity to speak. Um, the national disability council from Washington, DC came to Lake Las Vegas to have a um, yearly meeting. Okay. I was there. I had three minutes to sum up the BS and social services because they denied me one month's assistant social services denied me one month's assistance. That's crazy. That's crazy. Being a single disabled mom. Yeah. You can't give me one month's assistance. There's a problem. And I'm not asking for a million dollars. My my rent was $920. Um, Every organization failed me. They were there. So I called them out to their face. They all came up to me when it was done. Oh, here's my business card. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. This should have never happened to you. Please, you know, obviously I had uh, sheets of my story to hand out. Here's my story. Here's my story. Here's my story. I emailed them. Do you think anybody helped me? No. Nope. Nope. So that makes me feel like we don't want your kind here. Go away. And then so it's like moving here to Michigan. It's just like. It's even worse. Even worse. It's like, does anybody care? What is happening here? Like, why are we 
putting disabled humans on the streets? Why is there no housing help? What is happening? <laughs> you know, what is happening? I mean, that, I, I don't know. <laughs> it seems so bizarre because before uh, Casey came on, I had no idea about any of this. And like even her story and your story are completely different. I mean, right. you have physical evidence of of your your back problems and it being a lifelong issue. Right. Why are you not getting help? Like you have a daughter. They should be able to put you up in a home. They should be able to give you assistance. I mean, more importantly too, it's like, oh, you, you live in a Royal Oak. Oh, so there's, so? so there's not disabled people in Royal <laughs> Oak. I go, my mom bought that house in 2018 for herself. Mm. It's literally the smallest little house. It's adorable. Okay. But I live in a sunroom because there's no room. So I live in a sunroom, which, as you can imagine, yeah. is really hot yeah. and really cold. Not really fit to live in, right? Yeah. So at this point, you know, obviously, I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, temporary solution. And my mom can't financially take care of me. I This is a financial burden. It's not just a kid. It's a grandkid, too. Yeah. She wasn't ready for this. I left, you know, I've been in Vegas for 15 years now. She never thought, you know, I would come home. So it's like, oh, nor my, should she. Right, my mom is dumbfounded too, because like she can't believe. And now my mom has witnessed these phone calls, witnessed the drama, DHS. That's another nightmare too. And so it's just like, what is happening here? The, I'm I'm dumb dumbfounded by this because, um, I mean, I know my story is slightly different, but. I was put into foster care because my mom couldn't afford to take care of us. Essentially we were taken away. And one of the things that they always say is like, you should reach out for, for help. You know, when, when you can't provide for your kids, there's services available for you to reach out to. And it seems that you're doing all of that and they just want you to essentially lose your kid, go to have them go to foster care. you be homeless and then they'll help you. Yep. And that seems ridiculous. Cause you're trying to, you're trying to prevent that. And exactly. you would think that they would they would help you, that they would want to help you. And that, that's why I'm here. Whether you're dis- <laughs> disabled or not. Exactly. It's a problem. And it's, it's like, how is this happening to America? All this money, all this money. I mean, we, if we can send $44 billion to another country, okay, to help them out. Yeah. What? But you can't help out your own citizens? Yeah. Look what's happening. Look, look around, you know, it's just, this is scary times. This is scary times. And I, I am scared for my future and I'll be damned to, to continue to let things slide. This has been four years battling for help. And, you know, people want to say, oh, well, you know, people think, oh, to say they don't want the help. People don't want the help. Like, I'm doing everything to help myself. Yeah. I would, do I want to work? Of course I want to work. But at this point, like, if I can only work two hours a day, two days a week, let's be real. Who's going to hire me at this point? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Okay. So I also can't risk losing my health insurance you know, all these procedures I have to get done and medication, I can't afford that. Who can? I mean, we've made America so screwed up where it's like nobody can afford to go buy health care. 
So you can't give up your Medicare or Medicaid or whatever, or you got to be picky where you work because you got to make sure that company has good health insurance. Yeah. You know, because for many years in Vegas, my co-pays to get my spinal epidurals were $750. That was my co-pay. Wow. Who can afford that? Who can afford to pay $1,000 a month for for health insurance and still have an $8,000 deductible? I I can't. But that's the reality. What's happening to our country? You know, like... What, it's what, sad. What would you like to see come from this this podcast, from this episode? Um, I have ideas. I think I should be hired by the state of Michigan to reinforce these organizations, to reinforce that funds are going directly back to the people that need it most. Do you... Do you think it's maybe corruption going on, some corruption going on financially? Absolutely. I truly know because I worked in Las Vegas that a lot of these organizations have get a lot of money. They only give out so much to people and they take that other money and then they claim it that that they're having a um, a conference in Vegas. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I know what you're doing in Vegas because I served (laughs) you. They are, you know, they spend that money on themselves. They buy bigger, fancier houses. Matter of fact, like look at Salvation Army. They couldn't help me. They can't. They can't help a lot of people. But tell me why the person that runs the show just bought a another five dollar million mansion, five million dollar mansion. Wow. You can't help your people, but you just bought yourself another five million dollar mansion. Yeah. You know, so it's like you got these organizations that 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 use this money to. Let's buy a nicer office building. Oh, mm-hmm. more fancier artwork. Uh, let's let's spend money on the artwork. Um, you know, like oh, we're gonna corporate retreat to the Bahamas, or you know, just whatever. It's just like they are spoiling themselves and not giving it back to the the people that they claim that they help. And this is happening in every organization, and it's it, disgusting. It, just recently, I'm sure you know about it. I work for GM. So um, the UAW just had a huge scandal uh, where they were stealing money from from everybody. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they were spending the money on these lavish dinners, like down in Detroit, these yes. like really nice steakhouses. They, they were going to Florida and the golf courses. They had expensive cigars. They had a cigar party. Um, and it was just crazy. They had like specialized, uh, um, like wine bottle or wine bottles made and like logos and stuff. Right. And they had said that they had bought watches. They like it, it was a huge scam and, uh, there's some warehouse full of watches (laughs) somewhere, but yeah, it's crazy because this happens in every organization, every, I would assume that in the government, it's probably way bigger. It's disgusting. It, It is disgusting. I, one more example. So when I had to get political in Vegas, um, a friend of mine, Stephen, he was involved with the National Disability Council, the Las Vegas chapter. Um, so he was the one that was kind of like helping me to get in the inside to share my story because he believed in me and he believed it needed to be heard. So I'm so thankful for Stephen. <laughs> and um, I would sign on because I would uh, make government complaints, right? And that's what an EEOC is. So I would he, had, he would have me log on to when they were in session 
And uh, sometimes I was a live caller or they would read my complaint. (laughs) Two of those days, mind you, this is like eight hours a day, okay, that they're in session. Two of those days were spent of the Nevada government talking about ice cream machines being put in government buildings. What? So me and Steven have an inside joke and we call it the the government of ice cream now. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, are you kidding me? You guys are going to spend like $20,000 on ice cream machines? That's ridiculous. This this that was top priority. That is so ridiculous. To talk about for 2 days, ice cream machines. Wow. What is our government doing and why are we allowing this to happen? This is crazy. This is insanity. So it's like the more I've exposed I'm sickened by it. You know, in more more and more scandals that come out, I'm disgusted. I'm scared. Like, what is happening? Why is nobody stopping it? And and why is our government interfering in our health care? Go away, guys. We you don't matter. Everything you touch, you screw up. We don't need well, you screwing think, up our health care. I think there's some financial interest there. Of course there is. And that's what's scary. It's all about the money. Yeah. You know, it's not about the people. It's just it's money. And that's how doctors have talked to me here. Um, this, you know, I've had to been, sh- sh- you know, shot it around to many different pain doctors because, you know, heaven forbid anybody treat my pain. Um, you know, the one guy doctor said to me, oh, well, they don't want none to do with you because they can't make money off of you. That's wow. what he said to me. Uh, okay. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Wow. So that's all we are now. Just a number. We're just a number. Wow. So... I am mad. I've had enough. I'm mad. I'm mad because, (laughs) I mean, it's one thing to hear somebody complain about having these problems that you can't necessarily diagnose, right? Because you don't necessarily know if they're actually having these and they want to have drugs. I kind of get that argument, right? Correct. But when somebody has, I mentioned it before, when somebody has, you know, these these things that they've been diagnosed with, they've had their whole life, there's... There's a there's a trail of evidence. Correct. And they don't want to help you and you can't get assistance. Right. And they want you to be homeless and they want you to, I mean, essentially what's going to happen, you go, you become homeless and your kid goes in foster care. Yep. And then they'll decide, oh, we might help you. Or you look fine. You could work. Yep. That's, that's what they might tell you. Exactly. It's That scary. makes me angry. It makes me angry. It makes me sick to my stomach. And this, everything we're talking about, this has been my life since 2018. And it's enough to make you crazy. I could imagine. I'm really sorry that you had to deal with that. Or or that you are dealing with that. Well, it's just, I appreciate being able to speak the truth. Um, You know, this is really happening. Um, Being a part of this gym, which is called Inclusively Fit, I have met more disabled people, and I love it. Um, it's been a, a blessing to be a part of this gym. Um, I have been able to speak to their caregivers or parents, and they people open up to me because, I, I mean, I appreciate that, and I want to know. So it's like you have parents of a disabled child afraid to maybe 
go on the news and say, oh, yeah, inclusively fit is really helping my kid. We really appreciate it here. They're afraid because if the government sees that, they might take away their benefits and they can't afford to lose it. So let's wow. let's get this straight. Disabled people are scared to talk about something helping them publicly because they're afraid the government will take something away. This is America. What is happening? So I'm getting many people thanking me. I'm like, well, they don't give me anything. Yeah. Okay, I earn my disability. You can't take that away. Like I, I mean, but this is th- what is happening that people are afraid to just say this place has been amazing. Like, but of course it's going to help you. I mean, exercise helps anybody, right? And <laughs> it, it helps it, everybody. It does, and this is just allowing you a safe space to have somebody trained to help you in. Listen, mental or physical disability, it, it doesn't matter. This place is for you. And I think it's amazing. And they are a nonprofit, so they do get donations. Those donations go directly back to the people. And that's why I'm like, yes, yes. I love this place, you know. That's beautiful. And, and it needs to be everywhere yeah. because I've, I'm doing well, okay, obviously. But it's, like I said to you, though, like I'm not – Still not okay. Yeah. Okay. You're just mitigating. Right. But it's like, this place is amazing. And it needs to be across the nation. And I know he he wants that, you know, but he also, you got to understand on his viewpoint is like, you have to be careful. You know, he doesn't want trainers to, you never know. There's bad seeds. Okay. Let's, you know, doesn't want people to get hurt possibly. It's a a lot of responsibility on his shoulders and he wants to be extremely careful about that but this man started something so amazing and i'm proud to talk about it i'm proud to be the face of it and um i love it i think it's amazing that's awesome <laughs> i want to reach out to it's him amazing. i would love to talk to him and have him maybe possibly on the podcast mark cause... is great he he's like this is you know he knows so much and i'm so proud of what he has done um him and his wife are both involved with the disabled community from what i understand she does a lot of um donations they received help them go to people's homes um or whatnot so and that's amazing but in return, it's like, you know, you have me and I'm just like, want to be social and talk to everybody, but I'm seeing the progress, but I want to know like, what, what are you facing? You right, know, tell me right. what you face or, so it's like, I, I'm getting a lot of information I'm gathering and reaching out. Like I said, so it's like the work I've done so far is like, I've done a lot. I've done a lot because I want changes. And I truly believe that everything I've been through in my life, you know, trust me, I've spent many years being depressed and sad. I was depressed and sad just two years ago. Why me? Why is this happening? But it's like I firmly believe this is why. I am meant to make these changes. I'm not saying I want to be a politician, but I certainly feel that I am needed in some way. It, it's almost kind of gotten to the point where normal people need to become politicians. 
like the politicians are these career politicians. They have no interest in what's going on in, in civilian lives. They can't and relate. It's almost like the people need to take over again. And I, I'm yes. not saying that like as like a, <laughs> like we need to take over the government, but it's like <laughs> what I'm saying is that they're no, more normal people, people who are just regular people need to start finding ways to get into the government where they don't have ties financially to these organizations, to yes. the healthcare system. And I agree with you. Um, Cause if we don't do these changes now, I am so scared of the future. Yeah. And things need to change now. Like I do believe the time for change is now because I feel like every, everybody in some way, some way, somehow everybody's under attack by the government. Everybody's affected by the government right now. Yeah. And it's scary, scary times. There's a lot of hate towards one another. You know, we don't need that, you know. I'm I'm the type of person like I don't I don't like social media drama. I don't you either. <laughs> I, um, people do attack me, and trust me, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it right back. <laughs> do um, you engage in it? Sometimes yeah. <laughs> I've been guilty of that. I might like to fight online, but no, I mean I just and I I I like to be in a place where it's like I'm gonna give it right back to them. I'm not gonna let anybody degrade me. Yeah. Um, because unfortunately, people have done that to me um and i let people know like this enough is enough guys like at what point do y'all need to stop saying i hate democrats i hate republicans like we the people need to come together to stop this insanity because it's the government i feel like has grown into this big monster right now Mm -hmm. and we're all we're all involved. We're the ones that are affected by this. It's almost like it's almost like the people who are running the government are detached from everybody else and what everybody else is kind of expecting of them. Exactly, and th- and that's what's weird, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like, strange. Okay, politicians, um, you guys are going to get hurt. I'm sure you guys need surgery, and I'm sure they get their pain medication. Oh, yeah. Like, well, come on, yeah. you know, like nobody should be going through a major surgery and being told, oh, well. Take an ibuprofen. <laughs> yeah, here's some Motrin and some Tylenol. Good luck. I mean, too much Motrin and Tylenol is going to kill you. It destroys your liver. Yeah, it's not good you for know? you. know, like I have never abused my drugs. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I take three meds a day, morning, noon, and night. That's all I take. That's it. They've cut my meds down immediately when I moved here. Okay, at Beaumont Hospital, the first thing they did is they they cut my dosage down. They said to me, oh, well, this is too much. We're going to cut your dosage down. I said, I, why? Um, why? Why? Yeah. They didn't give me a reason why. They said, too bad, so sad. I'm cutting your dosage. That's the first thing that happened to me here. And another issue is I'm not allowed to take pain medication and anti-anxiety medication. I was told here in Michigan I had to choose between my mental health and my physical health. Why can't you? There's... Do they interact with each other? Um, personally, I don't... I don't know how to say this where it's like the Michigan government has decided they do. Okay. I guess enough people have abused both to overdose and die. Well, mm. I've never abused. I used um, a low dose of Valium. Okay. 0.5 milligrams for multiple reasons to help treat my anxiety and it helps with my muscle spasms. Yes, I have muscle spasms and they hurt. I didn't use it daily and they could look in my medical chart and see that. 
I was told I had to choose. So all this stuff I've shared with you has caused me anxiety and I can't take my anxiety medication. So I have had blood pressure issues now. My blood pressure is so high. A year ago, I was at stroke level. I have a heart monitor. I have to keep track. Um, I'm being told by doctors like, Brandy, you need to chill because you're going to have a stroke. I'm like, how do you how do you expect me to chill? I'm being told I can't take this medicine. I can't get doctors. I can't get housing help. I'm losing my mind right now. What is happening? <laughs> like, you know, like, why am I being told that to choose my ailments? What's more important? That's crazy talk. Like, right now, like, a lot of people are hurting mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, everything that's happening in the world is is giving us anxiety. Why can't we treat it? Yeah. You know, I do go to therapy, okay? Obviously, I think joining the gym has helped me relax. I mean, yeah. I kind of, being a former athlete, I'm sure you, you can relate. Like, you know, you get out on the field and you kind of take your anger out. Yeah. It's been hard for me to 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 do that. Yeah. Because I'm like, how do I, I used to go run. I go run three, five miles to, to get that negative energy out. I don't have those options now. So when I go to the gym, I'm able to get that anger out again in a safe way. And my trainer, Brian, bless his heart. I probably tell him so many crazy stories, but I've taught him a lot and he appreciates me for that. He's like, you've taught me so much. And even about the pain medication, because he went to college, he was kind of taught like they're bad, pain meds Mm -hmm. are bad, people don't function off of them. They're in bed, they're lazy people. That's what I was taught. And then here comes me, I'm like, I worked, I had a kid, (laughs) I served drinks for 15 years, I'm running around Vegas. I'm thankful for my pain medication, giving me the opportunity to live my life. Thankful for that. And I'm a walking success story. You know, we're not all lazy people stuck in bed, you know? Yeah. And one thing that was apparent to me too, when you came here and it's no judgment at all, but you know, I could, I could look at you and tell that you had some sort of physical ailment. You right. know, like I can look at you and see that. Right. And not that that's a negative thing no, at no, all, no, it's but okay. it, it's it's just dumbfounding to me to for people to not want to help you. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's just sad. So, it makes so me sad. sad. You know, it makes yeah. me really sad. And it's made me even more sad because honestly, I've had a hard time with personal relationships. I'm a single mom for a reason. A lot of the people I've been with, it's been too much. It's been too much. So they say, well, I think you're awesome, but I can have somebody that looks just like you that doesn't have all your health problems, so adios. That's messed up. That's that's my reality, (laughs) you know, and... I've been trying to find that rich husband. Why do you think I went to Vegas? I mean, <laughs> God, if I'm going to find a rich husband anywhere, it's going to be in Vegas. But the reality is, though, I have health problems. And in, when I live with somebody, it's like after two, three years, it's like they don't like that, you know. Yeah. They don't like that I get sick, that I get tired, that I could be in bed for weeks. You know, I also have I have vertigo. I have migraines. Um, 
because the spine affects your whole body, yeah. you know, and people need to remember that. And it, unfortunately it's been too much for people, you know, and I mean, it's a lot for you. Now Kevin gets to deal with my BS, but it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot for him too, though. Kevin looks like a nice guy. He is a nice guy, but it's a lot for him <laughs> too, though, because this has taken such a mental toll on me. Yeah. And I'm thankful for his patience, uh, you know, but it's in reality, and let's be real, Kevin, he can't financially just take care of me. Yeah. You know, and he wanted to sell his condo, running into issues with that. He can't afford just to go find a, buy a house in Royal Oak. It's too expensive. The market's insane right now. I'm not going to move my kid to another school. She's been through enough trauma. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need that. She likes her school. Okay, and that's great. I'm glad my child, and it is a safer environment for children here in Michigan. I'm sure you can understand oh, yeah. that. She is getting a better education. So I am going to remain here for my daughter's sake, but it's frustrating because it's like the housing market right now is crazy. It, yeah, it's ridiculous. And every time I've wanted to take steps forward, it's like you just get hit with something else comes at you. So I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot to that deal is with. a lot. So I, like I said, I, I believe... I believe all of my stories of woe are meant for something bigger and better. And um, I'm trying to get to that level uh, to have that stamina to I, so I can work, you know, or do something. But mm -hmm. I really, truly believe that my story, what I've been through, is meant for something bigger and better. And I don't know what that quite is yet, but I'm trying to find it. And if somebody out there hears my story and thinks, well, I could, you, you know, this girl, maybe we could use her here. I, but I want to be compensated for that because too many disabled people are used for their stories and their advice and they don't get compensated for it. And that's another issue for the disabled community. These people get used a lot. And I think that's like to represent a company or an organization. Yep. Yeah. They don't get paid. They don't get compensated. Wow. And that's not okay. No, it's not. They matter. We all matter. And we teach people a lot. We are we have PhDs in our <laughs> illnesses. We know better than anybody else. But, you know, no nobody with pain should be pushed on medical devices that could potentially cause more harm. You know, if people are successful using oral medication and they're doing it safely and whatever, them alone you know in return you know we want to protect these good doctors you know um, that are prescribing we want them to be left alone too i mean because in the end they're going to abuse no matter what you know yeah. whether they get it from a doctor or they get it off the street their intent is to abuse and if you they can get it and from a safe safe environment you know then the doctor can provide the education education necessary to teach them you know like, this looks like addiction. Right. You need to be careful. Here's some resources. You know, the one thing they make us do as pain patients is they make us do a monthly urine sample. They test our urine for multiple reasons. They want to make sure you um, are using the meds they give you and there's no other drugs in your body. So it's like us people in pain, we are using our pain medications right. 
I don't drink. I've never been a drinker. I chose to get people drunk. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but um, we're not drinking heavily on top of these meds. You know, society, you know, everyone's okay with everybody drinking. Okay. Drinking causes harm to your body. We yeah. all know that. You know, you can't can't dispute that. So it's like, why are we forcing pain patients off of a, a safe drug to use to treat pain? And these people are hitting the streets or they become alcoholics and then yeah. they their liver goes out. You know, it's just yeah, you look for other things to kind of drown it drown it out. Exactly. Yeah. So in it it's just everything has gotten out of hand. The reality was moving here to Michigan and it something something has to change and we do need our politicians to fight for us we do they need to step up to the plate and make things right and i want to talk to all of you um i've sent a lot of you emails calls never heard back so i'm patiently waiting you know i want these opportunities to make things right that's all I want to do. Well, thank you for doing this, Brandy. Yeah, thank you. We've for been your going time. for an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> I have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good, though. I felt like you needed to get a lot of this off your chest. I did. Yeah. Thank you. There's a couple times you're like in the microphone, like. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it though. I think that's important. I think it's important for people to see your true emotion and the things that you're going through because by somebody watching and seeing that or hearing that they can hear it and know that, okay, this lady's frustrated. This is a, this is a problem. And then they can, they can research it or they identify with it because they have, they suffer from the same things. For sure. Yeah. And if you do and you need my help, please reach out to me. Yeah. I got you. I got your back. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.